If you tuned into yesterday's podcast, then you'll know that this week is the first birthday of the Simply Smarter Numbers podcast. And to celebrate, I'm bringing back some of my favorite guest interviews. Yesterday, I replayed the favorite interview that I have had to date, which was with the beautiful Steph Taylor. And today, I'm bringing back a great conversation that I had with Emily Osmond. Why? Well, Emily and I, we are talking about moving a business from the one-to-one space to the online space. And with the events of the past year and the fact that both Emily and I are Victorians coming out of our fourth heavy lockdown, I wanted to splash this episode out there for those of you who are looking to seriously change up things in your business. And if you are, then you need to get more of Emily into your ears. So I'm bringing back that interview for you today. Emily has gone before us. She has successfully gone from one-to-one client-facing work to having a really great, thriving online business. And she's sharing all of her experience and her wisdom with us in this episode. If you're an ambitious business owner ready to think big, rewrite your own rules and take action to skyrocket your business know-how, your profit, your cash flow, and most importantly, your free time, then this is the podcast for you. You're listening to the Simply Smarter Numbers podcast, and I'm your host, Jen Waterson. I'm a business profit coach helping business owners just like you make more profit and take back their time. So hit subscribe now and let's dive in. So hello, Emily, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Jen. I'm I'm really excited to have a conversation with you today. The stuff that we're going to talk about, I know that anyone who listens to my podcast is going to just soak it up. But before we get into the topic, tell us about what you do, Emily, a little bit about your background and what your business is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm excited to really go into the background, I guess, of uh, of my business today and how it has evolved because it has had many iterations over the years. Uh, but my business today, I run two online programs. So one is really for people or for women that really want to have their own business. And right now they might be working part-time or full-time somewhere else or they might have gone out in their business and now it's like, okay, how do we grow this thing? So I help them do that through marketing. And that's in my program called the Modern Marketing Collective. And then I have a program called Scalable, which is where I help people that have built their business uh, traditionally or typically using services to then actually create an online course or membership. So that's what I teach them in there. And that's what I spend my time doing. I spend my time as well with my podcast. I'm sure you know that takes a little bit of time as well to produce that one. It does, it does. And uh, and I live in Melbourne with my fiance, Coden. Oh, perfect. Well, I'm really excited to have you here. And what we're going to chat about today is something you just alluded to before is all of those many iterations that we go through as business owners. So, when we start a business, we have these grand ideas of what it's going to look like, what it's going to be like, the money that we're going to make, the freedom that we're going to have. But at the end of the day, it sometimes doesn't quite work out that way. And I guess that's where we're going to sort of um, head into today with our conversation is around the evolution of Mm -hmm. your business from a service-based business, servicing clients Mm one-to-one to the online program space. Absolutely. Fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was the start of your business was servicing clients Mm one-to-one. And I guess if that's where we're going to go, let's just start with 
what it was that made you want to change mm. in the first place. Was it the time, the money? Mm. Was it the work? Uh, was it the lifestyle? What was it that sort of got you to say, no, actually, I need to change up what I'm doing? Yeah, absolutely. And it's such a good question because the thing was with my business. So I had been running my business. It was three and a half years that I had been running it before I then launched my online, my first online program. And the thing was I had built the business and by all measures it was a good business. It was quite successful. And I was making six figures. I didn't have a problem at that stage. I definitely did to begin with in attracting clients. So we were quite set up there and I had a few contractors that were working for me. But the thing was that when I looked forward to how I wanted or what I saw for myself in the future and what I saw for my business, I didn't really want to have the business that I had created. And so I didn't really want to have to take on more clients and more projects and more contractors in order to grow. And I kind of thought, and for me, like a lot of people probably don't talk about it openly, so it might be a bit weird, but like, I really want to be a mum, and that's in the near future, hopefully for my partner and I. And when I looked forward to what I wanted my life to look like with having kids and that type of thing, I wanted to have a business that didn't really require my direct input of time to be able to run it. I wanted something that could run with with my input, but not absolutely reliant on me. And I didn't really want to have to be doing client phone calls and client emails and this type of thing. I just, I just didn't feel like the way that I wanted to keep building my business. Yeah. So it's a was, real commitment, isn't it? Yeah. So that was- It's, it's a real work. commitment of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. And so what I often talk about, um, Emily, is an elegant business model Mm. and like building an elegant business for yourself Mm. and building a business that's going to suit your lifestyle goals. And that's kind of what you were doing, wasn't it? It was looking forward and saying, this is what I want my lifestyle to look like. This is the time that I want to have to input into my business. And Mm. what I've created today isn't going to do that for me. Yeah. And that's, and I love that you, that's the way that you teach it as well, because there's no right or wrong, as you know. And for some people, they would have like, they would have loved to have the business that I had. And that's really lights them up and they adore it. And it's just, it's just having that self-awareness and really listening to what feels right to you and what excites you. And the other thing was, I guess, Jen, was that I realized the work that I was doing it. Yeah. It didn't fulfill me as much. I was, I was delivering projects for clients But what I found, this is what I actually did, was I created a spreadsheet and I put in there my different revenue streams from my business. And at that stage, it was quite a few because I was offering all these different services. And so I put them all in there and I marked down, okay, what percentage of revenue are these different uh, revenue streams generating for me? And then also I marked down to each of them, like, how much do I enjoy them? How much do they, does that, do I feel as though they really give me energy and light yeah, me up? Yeah. Okay. So like on a one to five scale, you know, do I love it? Do I not? Yeah, this is, this yeah. is great. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> mm. And so that helped it, like helped it to become quite clear for me that what I really enjoyed was the teaching, the coaching, the helping. And so, like I mentioned with the business that I had built, what I was offering was often handing over a strategy or that type of thing to clients. And I had been running some workshops and I, and that was the stuff that I just adored. I loved being able to teach people how they could do their own marketing. So it became clear to me, okay, well, that is the stuff that I feel like I really enjoy the most. And I also felt it was something that I could be successful at. 
And I also, I also like to think, okay, like what do you want to be known for? And what do you think you can be world best at as well? And Mm. I kind of felt like, you know what? I think this is the thing for me to focus on is really that teaching model as well. Uh, so yeah, I, and, and this made the switch. Yeah. yeah. And I, I would like, I was really like, it, it was the end of, I think it must've been the end of 2017. And it was just like, oh, I just don't feel happy in this business. And something's really got to change because like I've made the choice to run my own business surely I should be doing something that I actually enjoy most of the time. Like this is my choice to be running my business. So let's actually create something that I feel really excited by and that I really enjoy and that I feel proud mm. of and that I want to grow. Um, yeah. And, and that's, mm. it's a big deal when you do put so much effort into mm. it. You put a lot of time and energy and love into growing a business to mm. a certain size or getting to a certain stage in your business, mm. but then having the clarity of mind to take mm. a step back and say, okay, I'm going to sit down and look mm. at this realistically mm. and say, what is it? And break it down. I love how you break it down. Like you say, mm. on your spreadsheet, your different revenue streams. If anyone listens to anything I talk about, they know I speak about revenue streams a lot and mm. having a, a really good look at what it is that's making you the money and mm. what what is not making you the money. But not yeah. only that, I also add in another element, which I term return, I term mm. return on time. Mm. And your return on time is looking at, it's not your hourly rate, by the way, it mm. is something that's uh, slightly more encompassing and takes into mm. account all of the time that you spend preparing oh to deliver gosh. that service, yeah. um, organizing that service and the, the post service that comes with whatever it is mm. that you do in your business, you know, really looking at each of those revenue streams independently and then saying, okay, yes, I'm making money on that, but it is sucking the life out of my lifestyle. I don't have time to do it. You know, I haven't got any room in my life for anything else. So yeah, absolutely. And I remember I would get quotes approved that were for several thousand dollars and I just it just didn't excite me. And I was just like, I don't even want to do this. Yeah. (laughs) Which is a real sign, obviously. Um, It is. But in saying that though, when you're talking about um, service-based businesses, Mm. do you think, give me your opinion Mm. on this one, should we experience the Mm one-to-one and before we go online, just to really understand your audience's needs and- Oh, I really believe so. What's your opinion there? Yeah, Yeah, I really think it helps. I I think like it it can be done. Absolutely. Like going from working for someone else and then to create your own online program. But I really think it's so powerful to have that experience working with clients and starting out that way as well, because you really get to know your people. And so by that Mm. stage, I had those several years of business. I had, I'd also built relationships. Like a lot of people that joined my program were my previous clients as well. So I had built that trust and I understood what their challenges were. And that was the thing. Like I had been delivering these strategies and doing consultations and like so many people are asking me the same questions. Yeah. I can put this together in a program and help so many more people as well. So yeah, I definitely think that it's, it's a really smart way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a slower way to do it, but mm. it's, I feel like it's an important step. You know, mm. I haven't personally done the transition to the online space myself, mm. but 
I feel as though there's just so much to be learnt by having those one-to-one conversations mm-hmm. and experiencing it in, in its entirety yeah. and un, you know, getting that opportunity to really understand your audience. So let's skip mm-hmm. over now and have a talk about what I would love to do is contrast your uh, your month, your mm. week, what did your life look like when you were in the one-to-one space as compared to what it is now? Like give us kind of a bit of an insider's uh, view if we, if you can as to what it was and what it is. That is such moment. a good question. I've never really thought sh- about that. At, well, never spoken about well, it before. I'll give you, a, I'll give you a couple of little, like, you know, yeah. other sub questions so you can sort of think about it. Cause I probably should have <laughs> given you this no, question. I love it. But you know, if we can say in the one-to-one space, you know, how many clients could you take on mm. without maxing out? What did your typical week look like? How many hours yeah. were you working in the week? Was it impacting your lifestyle mm. or on a scale of one to 10? How good was the money? You know, yeah, yeah. Perhaps just go into the service one to one space yeah. first and just give us a picture of what that looked like. And then we can talk about the online, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, and I've got to bloody try and remember now. <laughs> oh, it was a couple of years <laughs> ago. Years. So, yeah. no, no, it's good. So, um, I guess before I, before I started the evolution, because I did slowly scale down the services and scale up the online program. So before that started happening, what did it look like? Um, every year I did have a contract, uh, for several thousand dollars. So that was quite a good one, managing event marketing. Let me think about my month as a whole. So I'd normally have, I had a couple of retainer clients. So they would pay me each month and I would do a strategy session with them typically. Um, and that was, I really enjoyed that. That was That's that good regular income yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. So I knew, okay, if, if nothing else happens this month, I've got this one. Then I would also have a few branding projects. So they were probably the most profitable for, or they were the most profitable for me or the biggest chunks of money that were coming in at that time. So that would be delivering a brand strategy and a branding, basically logo, colors, fonts, that type of thing. Um, and then also website design. So website strategy and then web- website design. So they were around $5,000 each. So I'd normally have a few of them on the cards at the one time as well. Um, but I also would then pay a percentage of that to my designers who would do the logos as well. So Yeah, so you did profit. grow your business to that point where you did get a couple of um, employees. Contract- or yeah, contractors. Contractors, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, okay. So that was what it would look like. And then I guess what my time was spent doing was part – project management in a way between the contractors. So getting the, getting the work from them and giving them feedback, asking for changes. And then I would go to the clients with the work as well and deliver them. Um, so a lot of emails, uh, phone calls, that type of thing. I'm trying to remember as well what I was doing. Um, and then the consultations, I would then sometimes have just some contracts that I would do. So copywriting type of contracts, um, so it was a quite a, a large variety of different oh, things yeah. that you were doing for people. Yeah. And yeah. that in itself can be hard to manage. Yes. You know, if you're doing sort of this, offering the same service over and over and over yes. again, like say a legal person might be doing yes. or an accountant might be doing or whatever, then perhaps it's a little bit easier to mm. streamline things and yeah. get through them faster and create systems and processes yes. and things like that. But when you're doing a lot of different projects for different people, yes. that can that can be pretty tough, I imagine. 
question. Definitely. And I, like what I'd rent, recommend to other people now, and it sounds as though you might too, is that, you know, find out what it is that you really enjoy and what people need and then put a process around it too. So I had yeah. started to do that with the branding work. I had the templates and I had kind of the set prices and everything. Um, so that did help. Um, but yeah, that was and kind of what the business looked like. And then I yeah. would run some- Were you working a lot of hours as well? Like, Yeah. 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 I was working. It, it felt as though I was, it, yeah, looking back, it really felt as though I was working so many hours and it, I was like, what am I doing this all for? I'm barely, I'm really not making a whole lot of money from it by the time I take out my expenses. So the contractors, um, and, and take things. into account the time yeah. that you're really putting into it. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. So it does start to impact your lifestyle. Mm. Then perhaps contrast that with what does it look like these days, yeah. you know, in that online space where you really do just have the two programs, mm. isn't it? That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's kind of all I offer now. So it's funny when you compare the revenue streams, uh, I was probably had I should actually look at it and bring them up, but I probably had 15 or so revenue streams. Wow. At the one point in terms, because I would break it down into copywriting, PR, social media, workshops, yeah. websites, branding, um, collateral design. So I'd break it all down to that. And then for my first year, so I launched my first online program mid 2018. And I was kind of winding down on the client projects while building up the revenue from my online program. So I still had a f- quite a few different revenue streams. And then really now I have three, I would say about three revenue streams at the minute. And I'll probably, I might start building some more up. I'm not really sure. (laughs) But to me, if I compare, and I want people to know as well, this took time. So I'm now two and a bit years into having an online program. And then I launched my second online program really because I saw a need in the market for it. And from my existing students that then wanted, they'd build up a great business with their services or products, and then they wanted to scale with the program. So I launched that one in February, 2020. So this year. So now, I have the revenue from the online programs and then I have some affiliate revenue for some, um, what's it called, uh, software that I recommend and if people use, then I get a commission um, and then speaking, so to do speaking gigs. And that's about the revenue that I receive at the minute. Um, and then in terms of what my days look like, I just feel like I really feel now, and this is five and a half years into business. So it has taken time, but I really feel like now I've built the business. It just serves me really, really well. It's just serves the lifestyle that I want. It allows me to do what I kind of how I want to structure my day. Um, In terms of the hours that I work, I like, this is a thing. I love my work. I'm obsessed with work and I wake up on a Saturday and I want to work, but now I don't have a whole lot of things that are really demanding for me to get onto, which I guess is what it used to feel like. I used to feel like, oh, I'm I'm always kind of at the beck and call a little bit, which was, again, something I've had to work on is boundaries as well yeah. um, and having those in place. But in terms of what I spend my time on now, um, definitely <laughs> doing the podcast episodes, so writing them, recording them, and then just being in my Facebook groups for my students and supporting them, answering questions, giving them guidance. Um, and then I have a, a couple of contractors that help with me with my business growth as well. So working with them. 
And I feel like the word that you've used there is it's just less demanding. So mm. when your business is, when yeah. you feel like your business is demanding your time, yeah. demanding your attention, that's tough, you mm. know, because if something does go wrong in mm. your life or um, yeah. it was actually 12 months ago, gosh, actually mm. looking at the date now, 12 months ago, um, gosh, this week, um, mm. that my mother-in-law passed away really, really suddenly. Aww. And I had to, we had to, and it was really sad. It was, it was awful. I'm so and, sorry. And, yeah. Yeah. And, but we had to stop. We have uh, this mm. business and another business and we dropped everything mm. and we were basically out of our business for a month. Yeah. Now that was probably, we didn't probably have to, but we mm. wanted to, we wanted mm. to take the time out to go and do all the things that we needed to do and be around the people that we needed to be around and so on and take the time to grieve and so on. And we were able to do that because our business is set up in a certain way that we can. Yeah. Now, if, um, you know, th- people have all sorts of different things that come up in your mm-hmm. life and you want your business to be there to support you yes. and not the other way around. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, completely. And this is the thing as well, like you have a completely different business model to me, but you were able to do it too. So I really think it's not necessarily mm like you definitely don't need to have online programs like I've chosen to do to be able to have that space and for your business to not rely on you. But it's just, that was what really, like it just felt like a really good fit for me, what I enjoyed yeah. and my personality. It's it's actually, yeah, mm. good that you say that, you know, that mm. it is, it's not all about the online space. No. It's a very interesting and intriguing and um, what's the word, alluring sort of yeah. space to be involved in. But at the same time, if you are in the one-to-one and you love the yes. one-to-one, I was talking to somebody just recently, um, a client, mm. and we were having this conversation around the fact that she's so busy and yeah. she isn't confident enough to uh, put her prices up or anything mm. like that. And not everything is about putting your prices up, mm. but at the same time, you if you have enough money coming in from the work that you're doing mm. that you can just leave that sort of one day a week where you say, I don't do client work that day or I'm leaving that one day out for myself or, you know, giving you that, to give you the opportunity to say no to people. Yeah. I think, you know, and if you have in that, if you're in that one-to-one space and you're making enough money, then you do have that luxury of being able Mm -hmm. to say, Oh, no, I'm I'm sorry, I'm not taking on any work at yeah. this point in time. And it just gives you that opportunity to be able to push back a little bit and say, no, I just Definitely. need a, a week or two space here and feel okay with it, mm. do you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's a, it's a really cool part of like stage in business and milestone in business when you're building the service-based and you realize that you don't need to take on every client as well. Yeah. That's that's a really cool milestone. You're like, you know what, like there's enough revenue coming in and I can actually start being a bit more picky about who I want to take Absolutely. on. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And so you mentioned earlier, so yeah. you had to wind down yes. the service mm-hmm. part of your business as you were winding up the online part of your business. Yes. People have I find that I get a lot of questions around how do I do this? How do Mm. I find the time to step back and do the things that I know I need to do? Now, Mm. I've had um, in the last month I've spoken to three different people, one who has just gone and said, okay, I am literally going to stop taking new appointments now. I'm going to stop which will see me through to a certain time of the year. Mm. Then I'm going to take three months off to work solidly and take care of X business and we're going to work together and we're going to get this thing done. 
done. I've had another one who's just had a look at her revenue streams. We've done that together, basically kind of like what you've done there Mm. and said, no, that's that's not what I'm going to do anymore. So she's made the decision to drop that revenue stream. How do we do that? Like, Mm. you know, what, how did you find that transition from trying to pull back on the one-to-one, but still make enough money and have enough time to create that online space? Absolutely. So, I think well, it's, it's going to be different for everyone. And it was funny because I was just recording a podcast episode myself about um, when we make that trans- transition from quitting our job to go full-time in the business. And I was saying the way that I see it, there's kind of two different approaches. And I think that applies here too, is that there's either the leap and then build it up or the build it up and then leap. So yeah, and that's a really good way to put it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I quit my job to go out in my business, I did the, I really leapt and then built the business from there. And I was I I know that I had some privilege there. I had savings. I had a mum that if all else fails, I could move in with her. (laughs) When it came to the business, I I did it the other way around in a way um, in terms of switching my business. But I I mentioned earlier that it got to the end of 2017 and it just was like, okay, Emily, you really have to make a change here. Like let's take ownership. You've built a business and you can change things now. So let's do that so you actually enjoy your business. But the thing was, I didn't really know at that stage what it was going to be. I, I hadn't really got my head around whether it was an online program. And I, I kind of thought that was not something that I could do. I felt like, and I've spoken about this previously, I'm like, well, I'm Australian. I'm not American. And I only see American people having online programs. And Very true. Oh, all these different things. Anyway, um, but I made the decision because we already had enough work for about six months already booked in. So I had that commitment there, but I, I said, right, I don't want to take on any new work in that time period. And so it did help to give me some space and kind of that mental space as well, like roll out those projects and, and look after those clients that are already booked in, but keep my mind very open to what the next phase is for me. And so I listened to a lot of different podcast episodes. I'm a massive podcast listener. And it was on one of them that I heard someone speaking about her membership and how she had built a membership and she taught social media. And for me, that was the thing that I really, really loved helping people with, with their social media. And I no- and they were the workshops that I used to run about, about growing your business online. And so I thought, right, I think that's it. And I, and I also love the fact that she said she was an introvert because, again, I had this idea that you have to have this really big personality to have an online program. And I, you know, it does, you do get that feeling, don't you, that that is like a prerequisite. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm so boring. I don't have, I'm not that funny. Like, I'm just, God. But I thought, okay, well, if she's an introvert, then maybe I could do it too. And so, and what, and I'm quite, a quick action taker as well and probably act first and then think later in a way. So I heard this podcast interview and it clicked for me. I'm like, okay, I'm going to start a membership. And so I think it was only a few weeks later that I opened up the doors to my membership and I really had no idea what I was doing. Um, I had a a few, maybe a couple of hundred people on my email list. Yeah, I was about to say, so what sort of following did you have at this point? Because Mm. that's kind of where we look at it and we go, oh, well, I'm not there yet. I don't have enough people that know me. I don't have a big enough audience. I Mm. don't have this. I don't have that, you know, and we can talk ourselves out of it. Mm -hmm. So what, yeah, what sort of audience did you have? Yeah, And, and I love that you said that, Jen, because that's what I tell some of my students 
who were like, mm, I got to wait and grow my audience first and then do the online program. And I say, look, I had like 200 people on my email list. And I think I got half of them because I did a promotion for my program. So they joined my email list. I did have about 5,000 followers on Instagram and I had a free Facebook group that looking back, I was basically running a free membership because I was answering their questions and I was going live every week um, or not live. I was doing a Facebook post every week with a new kind of training, like almost a new tip and that type of thing. Now, the interesting thing was that I thought, okay, I've got 700 people in this Facebook group. I'll get it. And I just thought, and I have 5,000 followers on Instagram, whatever it was. I thought easily I'll get a hundred people. And that was my goal for my launch. And, um, I ended up with, I think 35 or so, maybe a few less. And I just felt like such a failure. Now, the thing was that I didn't realize anything about conversion rates. And so, and you kind of want to mainly look at your email list in a way. That's kind of what people say. And I I see that plays out in my business now. Like it's almost like it doesn't really matter how many followers you have. It's more uh, your email list in a way. Um, So I got the, I kind of got the standard conversion rate that you would expect from from the email list that I had. So it actually went okay, but I was just mortified because I thought I'm such a failure. I've just... (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and that standard conversion rate is actually really quite low, oh, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because um, I've put my program price up quite significantly. And so I see the conversion rates drop, but at the same time, my business is more profitable. So mm. it, yeah, it's an interesting thing to look at. Um, trying to think if I've answered the question there, but, but okay. What I say to people is that why don't you just launch now? Because you will grow your, you will learn so much about your students by having an online program, you'll learn so much about what people want. You'll build your, uh, you'll build your credibility in your profile by having the online program. And why don't you grow your audience while you grow your online program rather than yeah. putting it off, putting it off until you think somehow magically you've got enough people? <laughs> yeah. It's almost like a beta program, but you're getting yeah. paid for it at the same time, I guess, isn't it? Exactly. And I, I hadn't created it. And this is something else I say with both of my programs, I have sold them. And then as students enrolled, then I create the content. Oh, that's a great point. That is a great point because that means that you can move faster. You're Mm -hmm. not going to all of the effort of, you know, trying to have everything, all the T's crossed and the I's dotted and everything perfectly laid out there in front of you. You were kind of, yeah, right, working it out as you went along. Yeah, and the thing, and this is the other thing that can hold people back because I know when they were talking to me about Scalable, my program about creating online programs, they and they they can't get their head around it sometimes. They're like, what? And so I think some people, it's almost, yes, they might have a bit more limited time. So it really, it's going to, it's going to be very challenging them for them perhaps to be able to create the content as they roll the program out. But other people as well, they, it's just that security of having it all done. But what the thing is, just get the program launched and actually see if there's demand for it. Actually see if people want it. Don't spend months creating all the content to then find out that two clients bought it or no yeah. one actually wanted it. Mm, yeah, really good point. But how do you know when mm. you're ready to transition over to the online space? Like is there mm. is there any real way to to sort of to work it out? Yeah. You know, or is it just a just a feeling I'm ready for this? Yeah. I think it's just having that desire, really. For me, it, it just it just didn't feel like 
there was any other option. It was just like, this just makes so much sense. And I just want to give this a go. And the other thing was I speak about, you know, I didn't hit the numbers I wanted. I didn't have a six-figure launch or, you know, but I, I really kept at it. And then now it's it's really great, and I, I've kind of been able to build it to the stage that it, it it serves me and the revenue, and it makes me very, like I just love running it and all of that now. So I think as well, in terms of like, is there a right time or not? I think if you feel called towards doing it, if it feels like maybe it feels a little bit scary, but it feels really exciting, and you just feel as though you've got you've You've got something that you want to give and you want to be able to give it to more people and you really enjoy the the coaching and the teaching and and you think you might enjoy that type of thing like there's I don't think there's ever really a perfect time to do it just get it out there and then learn from your audience about what they like and as well you'll I've, I've changed my messaging over time as I've really listened to my audience and the words that they use the phrases that they use so that I can just evolve the messaging around my program so it really really appeals to people as well because I think we can assume if we've got something that we think people will want that people are going to want it. And sometimes it's not the case. It's just, but we can just kind of change how we uh, position it and message it. So it makes sense to people. And they're like, Oh no, I do need to solve that problem. Yeah. Yeah. I actually love how you can say that you only had, only had 35. Like there'd be a lot of people that would be super excited with 35, but when you've you know, perhaps, perhaps your goals were unrealistic, you know, when you look at things like conversion rates, (laughs) but it can be so, uh, it can feel really out of reach and daunting Mm. and overwhelming when you see lots of people that have these massive launches and they, they made however many hundreds of thousands of dollars and thousands and thousands of dollars and all the talk. Yes. But, you know, we don't all necessarily, I mean, yes, we'd love it, Mm. but we don't all do it for that and don't expect it in our first launch. We just want to put something out there that is going to help somebody and be able to sort of switch our business around a little bit and give us back a bit more of our time and, Mm -hmm. you know, try something different but make some money along the way. How did you feel when you did find out that you had that sort of 30, 35 members and not your hundred? Yeah. And like how amazing to have 35 people that trusted me to spend money on something that didn't even exist, you know, like Mm. they didn't know. They just were like, right, I'll, I'll, you know, give you money and it's not. Let's do this. Yeah, let's do it. How amazing. Um, for me, what was the question? Was it how I felt? Did you say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. How did that? How did did it? Was it like deflating oh, totally. or? Yeah, yeah. And it, like, yeah, it it was like amazing result. But for me, because I I just for some reason was like a hundred people. I mm. I felt I really kind of spiraled. It wasn't good. I was just like, oh my gosh, who was I to think that I could even do this? And I just felt embarrassed, which is so silly, but I felt like, oh yeah. my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. And then I went into the mindset of, oh my gosh, everyone else that bought the program, they're going to think, oh, there's barely anyone in here, you know? And looking back, it was like, that's a great result. And totally some people launch and they get two people. And I should say, you should so celebrate that because you have done something that so many people think about doing, but they're not, they're too scared to start and put it out there. Yeah. And don't yeah. let you, don't let yourself think that having a small number of people join your first program means anything because there's people that have had one person purchase their first program and they're now making millions of dollars. <laughs> Like it just doesn't really mean anything. It's just what you need to do is commit and then persist with it and just keep evolve, like keep refining it 
And over time with some patience, this is the big thing as well, like you've got to have patience with it, then it will grow. Mm. And then over a period of time, so you started off with 35, did you then relaunch, um, you know, three, another, another three times in that year or were you sort of, was it, were you doing individual launches along the way or, mm, and it just grew each time? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So this is the other thing is I think like I'm, you probably can tell, like I'm very big around having something that serves my lifestyle. Mm. And for me, I chose to do a different way to launching. So I still, like, I kind of do like lazy launches or little promotions, but what I have done is created a, basically like a sales funnel that we now, rather than having a big influx of students, like a few times a year, I have consistency in how many students I'm attracting. And I've kind of built a funnel that I know my numbers. I just feel like it's a smart way to work. So now I know, right, I like we'll have this many students coming in on an average month and I know how much I can afford to spend. I know how much, also because I have a membership, I've got that recurring revenue. So I, I have a pretty mm. solid business model and a very consistent one as well. Um, but it, it took me a good year to really get that sorted. Like I didn't know what on earth I was doing now. I, when I launched, I was like, right, how do we grow this? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is really interesting to get that little bit of insight mm. from somebody who hasn't, didn't have the huge, you know, following like you've got a, a large following now I think on Instagram what's your Instagram following at the moment yeah do you have, oh what is it um I think yeah 18,000 or something yeah yeah but my so, email list is now thousands like that's that's really grown yeah yeah right well there you go so you know as somebody sitting on the outside mm-hmm. looking in and seeing people launch that's the kind of thing that we sort of look at and and, and we say oh but you know, I don't have thousands yeah. on my email list. I don't have 18,000 Instagram followers yeah. and so on. But it's just about, you know, getting started and then just chipping away. And I guess the Instagram growth and mm. the email list growth has all occurred because of what you've been doing over the past two years, you know, mm. from that initial 30, 35 members yeah. That has um, everything you've been doing since then is the reason that you have that following, I yeah. guess. And the other thing is that, uh, that I guess some people don't say is that I bought people. You know, you can spend Facebook ads and you can go and find people that are yeah, perfect for your online program. Like I did that. And that is such a cool strategy when you have something that you can scale and you, you have something that you can just, you can welcome more students into. There's no real limit to it as well. So mm. that was something that I learned and, I'm, and I just couldn't believe it that, I could put X number of dollars into Facebook ads and out the other end, I would make double or triple or whatever it was out the other end of that. I'm just like, Mm. what is this? This is just amazing. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And was that your main growth strategy? Yeah, that was, yeah, I'd say that was a pretty major one. Apart from, so I found I've had my podcast about a year and I'm definitely starting to see that is like really helping it's just people get to like you know people get to know you they Mm. figure out if they like you or not and then if they do and they have a problem that they think you can help them with then they'll be keen to work with you um but that's been a newer one um I've been I've always been pretty active on social media so that then helps um and then yeah using ads to go and attract people as well and and that was I guess the strategy rather than having doing launch campaigns so much it's more having that having that foundation in my business that I know that if I go and spend money, 
I will then send this many or attract this many people to my sales funnel. They will go through it and then this percentage at the end will buy. So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of I just I just think it's such a cool business model. And then it's like, okay, well, we know these numbers. Now let's double our ad spend and we assume that will probably double the revenue at the other end. And I guess you're doing that gradually as well. So you're just starting off with smaller sums of money that you're putting towards Mm -hmm. ads. And then you are just, as you're getting confidence in the numbers that you're seeing, you're using those numbers um, and treating them, I guess, as a, as an intelligent, informed business decision. Am I going to spend more money on this or am I not? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that's, I guess that's kind of cool because it doesn't take my time either. So now I have a, and I used to manage the Facebook ads myself. And then I've recently brought on someone to manage them. So of course I'm working with her, but versus me, I don't know, manually doing things. It's a way that I can grow my business without my direct input again, which is something that I, yeah, I just really like. And then I get to welcome these awesome people to work with them too. Yeah. Yeah. And over the past couple of years, have you seen Facebook ads get easier, harder? They seem to be changing all the time, the Mm. way that they operate, you know, how have you found it in your business? Are you still getting the return that you would have been getting before? Yeah. Really good question. So it's a, it's a bit hard for me to say because what I, I've been putting my prices up for my online program. And then I did a big price increase about mid this year. So end of financial year to, uh, 2019. Um, just because I, I just really didn't feel aligned to the price that I was selling it at. I just, like, it kind of got to that stage. It's that energy thing as well. I think it's like, hang on, I don't really want to sell it at this price, but I just felt like it was too cheap. Um, even though again, like it was successful, I was getting lots of students, but I'm like, and I kind of wanted people to feel more your pricing can devalue your branding as well. Yes. You know, if, it, if your pricing needs to be in line with mm. where you see your business going, I think, and then, yes. you know, you'll attract a different type of yes. um, person, a different type of business owner into your business yes. and so on. So it, it is important to get your pricing right from yeah. a couple of different perspectives, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so with that changing, now it's just, okay, let's adjust the ad strategy and, and also my messaging and that type of thing to, I guess, um, as we change the price point as well. Um, so we're, it's only been a few months now. Um, but the thing is we are overall, I've built, like I'm now getting more profit in my business as well, which is really cool. Um, mm. in terms of we're having fewer number of students join, but because the price is quite a bit more. And I also, a change that I did was I used to offer my program, uh, month to month, cancel any time. And then I, I just, again, I just kind of didn't feel like I wanted to do that anymore. And so now it's a 12 month commitment as well. So that's been quite yeah, great. So it's a, yeah. it's a lower. So you've made some big changes oh to gosh. what, you know, <laughs> between the pricing and the level of commitment. Yes. But you can make those, pri- uh, those adjustments mm. um, as you become more confident. Yes throughout the growth of your business. Yeah. So you may not have started, may not have ever started with that, but it's oh, no. great to have those sort of goals and then be able to, you seem like you've been able to just mm. switch around mm. um, and change what it is you're doing as 
your business is growing and not getting sort of stuck in that same sort of, you know, I think sometimes we can get a bit scared and say, oh, I don't want to change it because what if somebody doesn't buy? And you don't want everybody to buy. No. And that's the thing. I have fewer people at this stage, and I don't plan to keep it this way, we're growing, but at this stage I have fewer people buying. But like I said, when they buy, I'm I'm actually generating more revenue. And Mm. it just, to me, it just feels better. I know that they are like kind of as a generalization, but they've got more on the line and they are more likely because they're spending a lot more money now versus kind of jumping in and they can cancel the next month. And so it's not really a whole lot at stake for them. I like, I really liked the idea of them kind of being a bit more scared to join, you know, before you make an investment, Mm. it's like, I'm a little bit nervous, but I need to make this work. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for them, I'm just like, yeah, I just feel better about it for me and for them as well. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's great. I I love the I love the idea. I love the concept. Mm. I love the way that you've been able to just change around your business and do the things that you felt you needed to change in yeah. your business. Couple of questions yeah, for you to finish up. Please. So, is it really as good as it appears on the outside? Having this online <laughs> world, being in this online space, is it really as good as it looks? What? Well, it depends. Like, it depends what you see good as being. Because this is the thing. Like, some people might build this, and then they realize it's not for them. Like, I built my. Because some people might say, "Is it really as good as it looks?" Having your own, having your own business, and I had that, but I didn't really love it that much. And now I've, I've just evolved. So to me, yeah, it's. I'm kind of like, this is so amazing. But it's, it's. I guess I've built it because that's what feels amazing to me. Um, and I, I feel as though like the big things for me is that I do feel like I have so much space, um, space yeah. in the day and time. And, and I, I kind of have that capacity to like dream up projects or, or the, like I'm not. Yeah. Kind of, it, it's yeah. important to have the space in your day and have mm. your business not overly demanding of you because yeah. it does impact your creativity. Now yeah. I am the most uncreative person oh. in the world, <laughs> but I understand that creativity mm. as a whole, we need space in our days to be able to be creative, to yeah. think about where it is we want to move our businesses yeah. or what it is we want to change up and what we might want to offer or not offer. Yeah. So yeah, it's a real it's a real advantage when you do have the space so to be able funny. to it's so funny because I say um to some of my friends, I'm like, yeah, like I'm not, you know, like I'm not that busy. And then I like think of some project that I'm gonna do and I'm like, why did I do that? Now I'm busy again. But yeah, you can kind of be like, okay, cool, what's like a project that I want to create or work on? Because I lo- I love yeah. work. It's not I don't love work, but um I like it sounds like a great problem to have that I think yeah. a, any a lot of people listening would be going, I wish, I wish I had the time to be able to do that. Yes. So yeah. yeah. And then the second question to finish mm-hmm. up on is is it really as easy to establish as it appears? So We've spoken about how you've created your business, but, you know, in the background, you know, are you, is it, is it really tough with the tech? Is it hard Mm. to, is it hard or is it technology? Yeah. Yeah. With the tech and the the promoting and the marketing and all that sort of thing, it sort of appears to be really hard. I would say it's hard. Like it's, it's, this is the thing, like it's, it's not easy or everyone would do it, but it's totally doable. Like yeah. I'm not someone that has ever been that tech savvy. Like and my mum still is like she thinks it's hilarious because I'm not a tech savvy person. <laughs> <laughs> but it's do- like it's totally doable as well. Um, but, yeah, I want people to think like, you know, it's not just it. it's doable but that doesn't mean that it's like easy to do. 
Um, so with the tech side of things, you can just learn how to do that. Like that's just, you can just learn how to do that and you'll be absolutely fine. And you can actually keep things pretty simple. And there's such good programs now that can make it actually quite easy for you too, in terms of the tech mm. side of things with the promotion. That is the thing that I don't know. I think it can be the most challenging because you've got to find, you, you've really got to work on, I, I see a big thing as being the messaging. And you've yep. like, you've got to have something that people actually want. And I describe it as you've got to, like, there's got to be a problem that people care enough about solving that they're willing to pay for it. So you can do all the promotion that you want, but if you're trying to sell something that like you might believe in, but other people just don't see the value in it, then that's going to be a struggle. Or you could have a program that is like, could be in really big demand, but you're just maybe your marketing's not quite hitting home at the minute. The messaging's not there. Or like, this is also a numbers thing. It's like, how many people can you get in in front of as well? Mm. Um, So again, it's like completely doable, but that doesn't mean it's like, it doesn't mean it's going to be quick and it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Yeah. And you could smash over all of the tech stuff, but if you don't have the messaging right, well, it's not going to work, is it? Yeah. You know, do you have an, is there a need or are you, or is it a nicety, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. No. Well, thank you so much, Emily. This has been like a really great conversation. Is there anything I've forgotten? Is there anything that you would love to add? Oh, I'm trying to think what it is. I think, well, if anyone's listening and they're like, you know what, I think I want to give this a go, like just, just go for it. And then as well, persist with it. Because yeah. you can, you can grow it. For me, it did, it wasn't a quick growth, but it happened. And I think after I launched my first, like my membership, I was kind of like, okay, now I'm going to create a course and now I'm going to, cre-. and uh, my coach at the time was like, Emily, maybe just like hold off on creating a new program and just focus on that. And that was like, a, yeah. that was a really good advice too, just to kind of have that focus. Um, mm, do one thing and do it properly. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that would be yeah. advice too. Yeah. And uh, so excuse my ignorance on this, but is that what your, is that, is this what you do in your scalable program, this type of thing? Yeah. So with the Modern Marketing Collective, that is more for business owners in the service and product space and really helping them grow through marketing and, and kind of being like confident about selling themselves on, on marketing as well. And then with scalable, that's where I teach people who want to add an online program or membership uh, on a course or membership to their business as well. Yeah. So these yeah, are the type of conversations perfect. I'm having with my students. I'm like, just get all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're the go-to girl. That oh. is really, that's great advice all throughout. I have had such a great conversation. I'm just like, you know, soaking it all up myself. So I'm sure that anyone listening has been. So where can people go, Emily, to find you? Yeah. And if anyone's like got a burning question, I'm more than happy for you to just reach out to me. My um, one of the best places is on Instagram at Emily Osmond and then my website, Emily Osmond. And I've got a free um, training on there. You can find it on the homepage at the minute about um, creating an online program too, kind of the phases to go through. And then my podcast, The Emily Osmond Show. Perfect. Perfect. I'm sure we'll all be tuning into the podcast really, really soon and checking you out online for sure. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast and yeah, wherever you are in the world, have a wonderful week. Thanks for having me, Jen. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Simply Smarter Numbers. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe so you automatically get new shows every week. And I'd love to hear from you. Come and join the conversation online. 
You'll find Simply Smarter Numbers on Instagram, Facebook, and more. Just head to simplysmarternumbers.com and you'll find all that you need there. Simply Smarter Numbers is dedicated to you getting the results that you deserve in your business. And I'm honored that you tuned in.